All right, it's the Chance of Gaming podcast, episode 92. And uh, it's weird to say, yeah, with me always is Roy, and it always has been. And, hey, uh, hi there. And uh, it's, I mean, this is a really weird episode to kind of do. Uh, Richard has left us. And, um, because, yeah, I mean, he's got, he's got life. He's got life and stuff going on. And honestly, the reality is, is like I knew once he was on history on the table, he would eventually go because, I mean, that's he fits over there so much better. You know, he yeah, he plays well, these games that they talk about and, and stuff. So and just to clarify, Richard is still alive. <laughs> He's just not alive with Adam and I. That is true. I mean, he did almost die, but he got better. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I got better. So uh, Roy and I, uh, well, s- specifically Roy, is lucky enough to uh, to know Shannon, who you've heard a couple of times before now, and to bring him on. And Shannon has uh, agreed to come on with us full time. Hello. He's a voice like buttered silk. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so- so we used to be like, I say it was Richard, Roy, and Adam, which was like R A R, or anything like that. So now we are Roy, Adam, we're Ras or Shra or something. I don't know. It's that's we're arse. Well, yeah, that's. <laughs> I mean, that's really what I need to do is like I need to find. We get rid of Roy and we find like Stephen, and so we can be ass. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, anyway, um, so yeah, here we are, and I, you know, I kind of, it, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about, like, the podcast itself, and maybe kind of changing tack. When I initially started and brought Richard Roy on, my thing was miniatures, and that was my shtick. Roy played, um, board games, regular board games, you know, because there is a big difference between board games and Hex Encounter. Oh, War Card games. Encounter. Yeah. 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 And so that was Richard's thing. So we had that kind of thing in there. And I have tried so hard to edge over into that because it seems fascinating. But, you know, I kind of gave up on it uh, about a, during the pandemic. And it was shortly after the pandemic. Um, and, of course, I say that and I mean, like, well, we're no longer in lockdown and, and whatnot. So... And then I got really more into role playing, uh, having not been into it my entire life. Uh, got really more into it and started like a regular game. So kind of, I'm wanting to shift tack more that way, where it's you know that becomes the third. And I think Shannon's a great um, addition for that being an author and whatnot of some uh rpg stuff so that's kind of where i want to go i guess we'll see where it where it goes and yeah so mm-hmm. I, all right well that's uh, a bit of a relief i was worried i was gonna have to start buying all the lead in the world <laughs> no, no no yeah no you don't have to do miniatures you have to it's worse you have to learn advanced squad leader <laughs> Yeah. Every it, every time that came up uh, while I was washing the dishes in my kitchen, I would have to remember what ASL stood for in this context. Age, sex, and location. 
or also American Sign Language was another one. Yeah. Which okay, yep, yeah, yep. yeah. Lou Gehrig's well, disease. I yeah. I always made that <laughs> joke because uh, Roy, your uh, wife does American Sign Sign Language, right? Yes, she does. Yep. Okay. How like look? It would be so funny for someone to do a YouTube series of teaching advanced squad leader via American Sign Language. <laughs> I mean, it, that's super niche. But I swear, there would be like two people in the world would be really happy that that happens. Yeah. You know, two you whole know. people, but, you know. Fred from Seattle goes, they finally get me. Yes. It's like, oh, my God, I've always, you know, I'm deaf. I always wanted to learn that. And, yeah. But anyway, so uh, we have a Patreon. And I wanted to talk about this because I love it. Patreon finally allowed us to use videos. I was just bitching about it at Siege of Vicksburg um, a couple weekends ago. And uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. About how, mm -hmm. like, man, what I hate about Patreon is I, I have to create a video and then I have to upload it to YouTube and then I can, like, post uh, post it in Patreon because they don't allow you to do it. Now that's changed and uh, they actually allow you not only to upload videos, but to do stories like on Instagram and Facebook and whatnot. And I have had a hell of a lot of fun doing that i'm just cranking them out all the time uh in the tuesday night uh rpg we were playing which was it's not really yeah i guess technically dungeon crawl classics thought it was more uh old school essentials but yes dun technically dungeon crawl classics was the rules that we were used i was like shooting like all my roles and just the stuff we were talking about and it was a mm -hmm. hell of a lot of fun so so hey, I, I do I, want to talk yeah. to, about DCC a little bit uh, when we get around to it. So when you want to bring it up, sure, I want to sure. yeah. ask about that. So, I mean, all that to say is like I charge measly like $3 a month. And um, yeah, so I'll have it linked in the show notes if you're interested. I'll talk about Siege of Vicksburg more in a minute. And uh, yeah, I see Malort is on here. Did, did we talk about this before? That's the booze you love so much. Yes. Well, it's it's kind of a love hate. It's this must have been left over here from the previous episode. Uh, yeah. So um, I don't know. It's not much to talk about it. It's it's a it's a it's a booze that's made from vodka, or it's made it's like vodka, but it's wormwood flavored, but it's not nearly as tasty as absinthe. So that's Malort. <laughs> um. Uh, okay. Yeah. There there's a lot to unpack there. Um. But all right. Wow. Well, I, I looked into it, and I don't think it's available at all in Michigan. No, it is not. You have to get it in Chicago. Yep, and it's um, it's an interesting, interesting booze. It's sweet and super de duper bitter. So, yeah, Jepson's Malort. I'm gonna totally guess that like we can't get this in Mississippi. You know, it's just a thing. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, it's oh yeah, because we still have that whole thing where, um, uh, to sell alcohol in Mississippi, you like if you're selling Roy's whiskey, you have to sell it to the state of Mississippi, who then turns around and sells it to me. So mm -hmm. that's how that's how they operate. So yeah, it's a very backwards oh. thing. So it a, a lot of beers and. Uh, whiskey and whatever doesn't don't want to fool with it, so they don't come here. So okay, 
I do have a whiskey I want to talk about, though. What's that? Incidentally. Uh, Whistle Pig Smokestock. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. Um, we have that here. It is good. Okay. The uh, So the, I went to a bar, and all they had was bourbon. I said, well, I really like scotch. Do you have any bourbon that's, like, really smoky? And the Whistle Pig Smokestock is I, – I, I like it. It's like drinking a campfire. Ooh, so, yeah. Ooh. I'm so, a fan. So it's like Laphroaig – Scotch or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I've got to get some Little Lord. I got to try this now, even though it's not smoky. We'll try it. All right. So, we occasionally talk about, uh, by occasionally, I mean, every time, talk about the shows and stuff we've been watching. And um, I see Central Park is on here. Yeah. You know, I think some of these are left over from our previous uh, episode. But yeah, uh, Central Park is uh, from the same creators as um, Bob's Burgers. It's on Apple TV. It has uh, Jad, no, not Jad, Josh Gad. Um, I was going to say is, Jad is like a shitty, that sounds worse than Chad. So, <laughs> Well, there's what, Jad, Jad a bumrad uh, is a presenter on, um, or for the, uh, the NPR show. Um, oh, I'm I'm whiffing on the name now. Um, anyway, it's a it's a science uh, podcast, and it's called. I can't it, remember. You've got to have like a weird kind of name to even like work at NPR. I think that's like Pretty much, a, yeah. a requirement. Yeah. So. <laughs> and but yeah, anyway, so. Central Park has uh, Josh Gad in it, and it's uh, it's sort of centered around the the keeper there in Central Park, and the various entities that uh, you know live in the park. Like so. Sasquatches? No, <laughs> no, I like people. Sorry, but the the fan, the um, the the groundskeeper family is very similar to to Bob to Bob's family. You know, with three kids, and you know, had the one quirky girl, and the and the other kid that's uh, shy and and very flamboyant and everything. So that's uh, Central Park. Yeah, and I think I've I've mentioned before that like uh, the big thing I don't like about it, it is mostly musicals. So that's I occasionally like one of Bob's Burgers, but you know, mm-hmm. that's that's just me. So. Anyway, uh, Rings of Power, yeah, you're right. It continues to be okay, so uh, I'll go with that. And, and look, I'm, I am not vested in this. I'm not. I, I am I'm not this guy that's, like, you know, angry or, or whatever. I don't – yeah, it's, it's, I'm not vested into it and mad about it or mm-hmm. whatever. It's just – it's okay. It's, it's not bad. It's, you know – uh, the yeah. drag, dragon show I love. Uh, it's fantastic. And so, yay. Uh, it's it's really good. Um, I, which, of course, I loved the, uh, the book for it um, because I love the idea of fictional histories. And uh, that was good. And uh, mm-hmm. Andor continues to be, like, one of the best or the at best Star Wars and I'm sad to say no one is actually watching it, apparently. Or it's it's not pulling the ratings they thought it would be. Oh. Did you guys ever well, catch... Uh, okay, go ahead. Well, I was... Sorry, I was... Uh, I was Stellan Skarsgård is in Andor. 
and his son Alexander Skarsgård is in The Northman, which I watched most of. So, if you're familiar with that, I think so. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know what it is, but I haven't watched it. I watched okay. most most of Vikings. So yes, but so and yeah, I enjoyed so, um, it. So Northman's on my list. So there's a yeah this this movie The Northman. Uh, this past Monday, I was uh, I dropped my kid off at uh, at uh, her for her robots practice, and I went to the bar. Well, I walk into the bar on a Monday evening, and there's nobody there but the bartender, and he's sitting at the bar watching The Northman, which is an R-rated movie. And so we're just sitting there at the bar, just watching this movie, and you know people are getting hacked to bits, and and there's nudity all over the place, and and um, he's like, I could put some football on or something. I'm like, fuck that. I don't want to watch football. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, then um, a little while later, then like the high school drama group comes in because they want to buy some butterscotch soda to have a, a Harry Potter, uh, some kind of fundraiser there. And they wanted butterbeer. And so as he's, you know, given samples of this butterscotch soda to these kids the northman is playing on the tv over his shoulder and i'm like didn't we just see your ass a little bit ago <laughs> i'm like he just kind of let it keep on going I'm like well whatever i don't know well you walk into a bar yeah look look roy <laughs> i just want to say that i love everything about the statement of i dropped my daughter off at robot practice and went into the bar that's just not a statement I thought I would hear ever. Oh yeah, you know? that's, a, that's a brand I, new sentence right there. Yeah, it is. I I, and I yep. absolutely love it. Yes, I dropped my daughter off at robot practice and went into the bar. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, it was fantastic. also the occasion of my first uh, visit to Popeye's Chicken. Oh, well, that was pretty oh, good. Okay, so is that not a thing up there? It is. It's it's a very new thing. Oh, I mean, okay. They, they're around, but not too many okay because i could open that door over there and throw a rock and hit like two <laughs> you know they're they're <laughs> fucking everywhere down here so yeah yeah it's that's yeah okay i mean, i guess i didn't think about that about it being but that makes sense uh because they're out of new orleans so i guess mm -hmm. it would be kind of a regional thing so okay. well has culver's reached reached uh down to mississippi yet no, but uh, I know I caught them in one in Florida, where okay. my brother in Orlando. Yeah, uh, my yeah. kids are in Wisconsin, and so yeah, I'm very familiar with Culver's. Okay. All right. So, uh, did you guys catch uh, Welcome to Wrexham? No, that's on my list though. Still good. I'm uh, still also enjoying the It's Always Sunny podcast. It's yep. uh, still good, and yeah. What is What is Welcome to Wrexham? <laughs> it's I, look i have no idea honestly how this happened but for whatever are, are you familiar with this always sunny in philadelphia a touch okay uh maybe um uh Myst mystic quest on apple plus no okay it's it's I, I think it's you're fantastic. saying that wrong i think it's mr quest it's yeah right <laughs> that's true <laughs> uh rob mcelany ever how you say it uh the guy who's mac on uh it's always sunny for whatever reason him and Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool himself, woke up one day and decided to purchase 
a failing Welsh soccer team, and they have a reality show about it. <laughs> okay. Uh, what channel? It's on Hulu. Okay. All right. And it's great. I, I really dig it. There's a lot of it's, I mean, it's almost wholesome, but they're, you know, because they're Welsh, I guess, or British or, or whatever over there, they use the word fuck a lot. The coach over there is fantastic. And whatever he's on, they actually count. They It's called <laughs> Phil's Enthusiasm. And it's every time he uses the word fuck, they count it. And, oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, they ejected money. It, you know, it's this kind of town that's down on its luck. And they come in and they're, you know, they've ejected money into this, built bleachers, you know, did all that, replaced the turf, everything, you know, brought in better players. And you really get kind of caught up in it. The Because the, mm-hmm. what they're apparently the way and i'm very glad that i finally understand what the how uh, soccer works over there it's when you uh premier league's the very top <laughs> and so uh every year the top the bottom two teams get kicked down to the mm-hmm. the next level well i, I kind of know this from ted lasso too yeah yeah I, I yeah I, I like I said lasso is too wholesome for me I can't watch it um <laughs> so and there's like four different levels of soccer over there in England and every time uh, it's the bottom two teams gets dropped down so Wrexham is like down like Premier League's at the top they're like two below that and oh. all all they want to do is to get out of they're in the bottom league and they want to get out of it and work their way up. So you get more money, you get more sponsorships and stuff like that. So it's just this struggle to to get out of it. And that's their whole thing is they coming in, they bought the team, they spent money trying to get it trying to get it out of this uh, bottom tier league. And it's great. All right. Um, how does a, how uh, does somebody get kicked up into the Premier League? Oh. Okay, that's the thing is the top two teams in each league go up. Okay. So uh, except for when you're at the top, you stay at the top. You right. got to like right. really you got to be really crappy to get to get dropped down. So what that's okay. uh, what promotion and relegation? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's okay. w- which I'm so glad I understand it now <laughs> because I never got like it's like oh there's so many different leagues blah 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 all this different stuff I'm like what the hell what even is this I don't even watch the NFL I don't know what this shit is you know <laughs> yeah so uh, yeah anyway, uh, anyway moving on to I just put moving on on a t-shirt gonna work on that because yeah the uh, chance. I, Chance of Gaming t-shirt I've had for like five or six years now. Uh, my girlfriend pointed out has like two holes in it. I'm like, ah oh, man, uh, mm-hmm. time to make a t-shirt blanket, I guess, and get another one. <laughs> anyway, so uh, we've got Dogs in Space. Fucking fantastic. Love it. Good, wholesome. You can watch it with your kids. It's great. Uh, Reservation Dogs, also fantastic. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, the season finale of Lower Decks was today. And oh wow! I am so far behind. It's it's so good. I didn't know it started. <laughs> I yeah. I season finale of season three. I I love it. It's it's great, and uh, yeah, just 
That's a good one. That's a. I was so skeptical of that one when it was announced, and seasons one and two really, really drew me in. I love how they like make fun of stuff that deserves to be made fun of in Star Trek. That like, hey, this doesn't make any sense. Why would this, <laughs> that, and the other happen? I don't get it. You know, whatever. And yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, and it, it's great. I whoever is doing the voice acting in it, it, you know, it's also phenomenal. I mean, I'm sure I would know who they were if you know. I've you look into it. Yeah, if I read their names, like, oh, it's that guy from this, you know, and yeah, it's just good. So anyway, uh, I yeah. put the story of on there. The story of O. The story of. <laughs> I know, but there's like the this you you get the story of dot 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 that could get really porny depending. Oh, on where, gotcha. Which way you go? Know. Okay. So this is a uh, it's a show on YouTube. And it talks about, and I got yelled at for calling them one-hit wonders, but it tells the story of how various songs got made. And so the first one I watched was Never Gonna Give You Up. And they kind of talked about the the genesis of the lyrics and the, um, you know, how the the chords got put into it and then how Rick Astley got, got brought aboard. And basically, it's a very kind of a, it's a mini little... VH1 behind the music about a specific song or a specific artist. And there's a whole series of them on uh, YouTube and they're by Vice. Okay. Um, and so I saw uh, Rick Astley and I saw Shaggy. Uh, it wasn't me was on there. Um, oh shit. The I forgot I, about that song. Yeah. So the interesting thing about that song is that the, um, the record company didn't want to promote it and they pressed a few copies of it um and they didn't they didn't want to want to send it out didn't want to play it or anything well so there was a dj in hawaii that got onto napster and illegally downloaded the album and played the song on his radio station and from there it just blew up um but there was a particular story on here that I wanted to talk about. And there's a, there's a song called A Thousand Miles by Vanessa Carlton. It's, um, it has a piano intro to it. And um, she was talking about the lyrics of the song are written. She said, I was a ballet student in New York City. And I had a crush on a student from Juilliard. And... I don't want to I don't want to name that person because they're a famous actor. So in my brain I got to thinking about how Glenn Howerton went to Juilliard. <laughs> and, okay, yeah. And so I kind of uh, I threw it all together like is this song, this one-hit wonder song about Glenn Howerton? So I don't know. Um but the dates kind of line up between the two of them being there. Um, but anyway, the story of is is um, it's a fascinating little and their their episodes are maybe ten or fifteen minutes long. Okay. Um, but I thought that the uh, the one about Rick Astley and about his embracing of of the Rick role and everything uh, was, right. was pretty cool. And like the first time he was made aware of it is on his birthday he got an email from a friend of his saying, hey, Rick, you know, happy birthday. 
watch this. And he clicks on it and it's, it's never going to give you up. And so the guy, he emails him back. He's like, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, whatever. No, 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 here, here, watch this one. And it's another <laughs> Rick roll. And so he was, um, had no clue that, that, you know, this had become a thing. So they went and found the guy that kind of invented the Rick roll and put it out, you know, into the ether and, and, um, yeah, it's anyway, that's those those episodes of the story of are are pretty cool. That's I walked I walked into our living room a couple of days ago and my nine and eleven year olds are watching YouTube, watching that video and enjoying it and say <laughs> and one of them looks and says, She rickrolled me. And I said <laughs> And so that that has uh, percolated down to the elementary school set. They don't really understand what the term means, um, mm-hmm. but they will they will just go turn on that song and uh, and laugh and laugh at each other for <laughs> turning on that song. And, but they enjoy the song just on its own, yeah, completely that's, unironically. That's a catchy song for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I also put Little Demon on here. I've watched part of one episode, and uh, I know that uh, the the religious right is kind of losing their mind over Little Demon a little bit. Um, but it has uh, Lucy DeVito and Danny DeVito are the two voices in it. Uh, okay, so, let let me talk about how I discovered Little Demon. Okay, it's um. I read an article about uh, Danny DeVito was live tweeting the premiere of it. And it was just all these different statements about, ah, but she didn't know my daughter did this or that and the other. And people just thought he was losing his fucking mind because he did, he did not mention that, Hey, I I'm in this new cartoon. He didn't tell anybody he was in it. You know, and that yep. it was a thing and all this stuff. So they people there was just no thought hashtag was, little demon there. Right. People just yeah. thought he was losing his fucking mind. And <laughs> uh, so I was like, what the fuck? What is this is show? And so I'm like, oh, shit, it's on Hulu. So let me go check that out. And it wasn't until like, and what really made me like it was some fucking um, uh, right wing dude was like, you know, uh, like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I had my children in my den and, <laughs> yep. you know, they were eating sandwiches <laughs> and reading the Bible. And all of a sudden, a little demon uh, uh, ad popped up on the TV and now they're traumatized. And so I was like, well, shit, it's got to be really good. <laughs> and so honestly, I've, I've watched it and, you know, it, it's I would say it's not in the absurd vein of like Rick and Morty it's it's not absurd but it's really funny and it's very touching uh you know it's this it's uh, a young girl you know trying to navigate you know high school and like dealing with her single mom who kills demons and stuff like that her dad is satan and uh yeah it's i i kind of find it that moving occasionally, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's pretty good. So I yeah, like I plan to watch more of it. 
And uh, let's see, uh, we talked about Iron Sky, I think, last time. Oh, Dagum, okay. Dagum Nazi is on the moon. Oh, right. And um, <laughs> hate it when that happens. Uh, Charmed. All right. Charmed. <laughs> You're, oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> that was like two wives ago. Uh, she was really in, my first wife was really into Charmed. Uh, mm-hmm. For you kids that don't know who Shannon Doherty is, look, uh, apparently she's really difficult to work with. And famously, she had uh, this contract. Her contract with Charmed was supposed to be iron. Cl- oh, no, I shouldn't spoil things. But then again, like, oh, my God, this yeah, came out 30 years ago. Yeah, go ahead. But uh, <clears throat> her uh, you know, contract was ironclad because she's notoriously difficult to work with. And uh, everybody to this very day wonders how she was able to leave the show, how to get out of her contract. But anyway. And she was replaced by that girl that dated Marilyn Manson for a long time. Rose McGowan. Yeah. So it was Shannon Doherty and Dad Gummit. Um the girl that was in the girl that was in Brace of the Vampire. Right? Am I am I wrong? Alyssa Milano. Was Alyssa Milano in charge? Yeah. Oh. Yes. And Piper box? Piper Piper. Piper somebody. No, Piper was her. It was Piper Prue. Oh, and, right. Oh, That's my right. God. Yes. I, uh, I cannot believe this, that I know this shit. Um, uh, yeah, Holly Marie Combs. Yeah. Alyssa Milano. And uh, Shannon Doherty, where the original Shannon Doherty was replaced by Rose McGowan. It also has, like, Julian McMahon, who went on to a big career uh kaylee coco whatever went on to a career it, it's yeah it's got a lot of people anyway as all you people <laughs> listening to this going what the fuck are they talking about it is about three sisters who are witches and like it's very much a monster of the week kind of show it was on from 1998 to 2006 and uh it's yes yeah, to me it's a very 90s show I, even though it started at the end of the 90s, I, I think of it as a very 90s show. But yeah. It is. It is. There's also, um, there was also a reboot series. Um, really? Took the same, yeah, just a couple of years ago. Oh, uh, shit. I see that here uh, on IMDB, which will be linked in the show notes. And who are, it's Maloney Diaz, Sarah Jeffrey, and Madeline Man, Mantock. Holy shit, this went on for 72 episodes. It went on for 2018 to 2022. I have never heard of this. Three three solid seasons. It's it's a good show. Um, takes the same basic concept. Uh, three sisters who are witches. Uh, there's a monster of the week component. There's more of a an overarching storyline. Although the original series uh, had season-long storylines that tied things together, too. Yeah, it, it had some pretty deep lore, you know, with uh, – they didn't say angels and demons. It was like the light and the dark. Well, they were definitely demons. Um, they're definitely demon-killing witches, um, but they were white lighters, not angels. Um, right. But, yeah, um, it's a, it's a, they're, both, they're both entertaining shows. Uh, they both do what they need to do and do it well. Um, 
the 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 earlier charmed was famous for the lingerie style costuming um but the the more recent one leans a lot more strongly into um we are not taking any of that guff and we are in charge of ourselves um and uh and uh also has a major plot point in common with the original series and the original series really? was 30 years ago, and we weren't going to touch on that spoiler and how Shannon Doherty got out of her ironclad contract. Ah! But narratively, the plot points um, line up. Okay. Uh, in that well, in that respect, but it's not the same show by any stretch. Um, and there, where can you watch that? Oh, always with the questions. We were watching the most recent one on on the Roku channel where it recently okay. got dropped. So you're going to have to go to Amazon and buy it or go to the library and rent it. Okay. Um, the reboot, the computer here tells me. Um, Survey says. The CW, which makes a ton of sense. Yes, yes, oh, it yeah. does. Right. I, I honestly <laughs> feel like the original version was on the CW as well. I think it probably was, yeah. Um uh, so yeah, that one should be fairly easy to come by the new one. And at only 70 episodes, you can wrap it up in a week. Okay. Yeah. I like yeah, I I like your optimism. <laughs> so, All right. So, uh the next thing you had was Winks. Oh my goodness. This is on Netflix. Sp- speaking of witches, that you, yes. you have Winks on here. Yep, that's a, this has been the running theme. Uh uh, TV night in our house after the children go to bed um, is very much about not thinking too hard. And Winks is very much a young adult novel-inspired TV show. It takes place in a school for magical creatures. And the primary characters are all referred to as fairies, and they've each got their own power. And they're fighting against blood witches, and it's a big thing. And we've gotten through two seasons now and i think there'll be a third season and it's another one of those shows that um aims for its target and hits it and um doesn't require an awful lot of paying attention to um but one of the main antagonists on the show is miranda richardson and she's always fun Miranda richardson she's a british actress um came to prominence in the 80s as a comic performer um okay for me she's most closely associated with uh, the black adder the second season of that okay where she played uh, queen elizabeth as a highly spoiled snotty brat it was fantastic <laughs> so where uh, where is the phoenix oh my goodness youtube YouTube. Okay. That is that is a 1980 show that wears its new agey conceit on every frame. Okay, so this is like 81 to 82, and you know, honestly, this I mean, it sounds right up my alley. Like this this kind of stuff that I would watch. And the guy that uh, be new of the Golden Light. Reminds me of the powers of Matthew Starr. Of course, yeah, on IMDb, that is the very first thing that's recommended. <laughs> he was so. also in Wrath of Khan. Yeah, oh, okay, okay. 
And also, I love Manimal is um, <laughs> is on number two, and I actually bought that DVD set recently. And uh, Manimal is actually a class in I want to say Mutant Crawl Classics. So, oh, really? And okay. every time they mention that, I'm like, ah, uh, it's the show. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> All right, so uh, at this point, we talk about what we're playing, and Roy's going to take it away with the Goonies who never die. Oh, okay, yes. Uh, the Goonies Never Say Die is a uh, board game that's role-playing adjacent. So it's uh, there's a the Goonie Master is kind of the game <laughs> master, and then there's the other players uh, play the various characters. And so it's... Um, there's a bunch of different scenarios that you go through. And so like the, the Goonie master is encouraged to, you know, talk it up and, and essentially be, uh, it's kind of a proto role-playing sort of game. Um, and that is a new ish game that's out by, I believe it's Funko. Um, yeah, Funko games. Um, so we've played, I've run through the first scenario twice with two different groups. Um, and I have not, as the Goonie Master, have not won it yet. So I don't know, and really I don't know if that's really a necessary thing. You know, just, I like better the idea of just providing an experience for the other players. Well, uh, let me ask you this. Is it like a total party wipe if you don't? win or do you just yeah. not just not everybody lives you just don't succeed right you don't succeed so you have you play the scenario over again okay so yeah um that's uh the goonies never say die so i'm looking forward to maybe doing a second or doing the the, the next scenario so it plays through the movie and we have a a uh, an expansion that we haven't cracked open yet but so like the first scenario is from going down the um in the fireplace of the lounge what is it the i forget what it's called um and going through it to where the wishing well is so if you remember the movie spoilers okay. yep <laughs> <laughs> again we're spoiling um, a 30 year old movie but all right right yeah. yeah yeah um and then i played a game called oh my goods which is a it's a lightish economic uh, production game. So you start out the game with a, a char burner, and so you're making charcoal essentially. So each of the goods that you produce on a charcoal is worth one. Um, but you use those those goods to like fund the building of other buildings, which um, you can produce goods that are maybe worth more money. Um, so like whatever, and so. Some of the uh, the other buildings require charcoal to make it make it function. Um, so you can kind of chain your production together. Where like if I make charcoal here, then I can kind of expand it into um, shoes or whatever um, in later other buildings. There's there's a little bit of a a chance element because you're not sure if you're going to have all of the resources that you need to produce on a turn. Um, so you can you can produce um, disorganized and make one commodity and 
and skip one of the one of the components that needs to go into it to make it go, or you can produce orderly and produce two goods, but you need to have all the components that are shown on the card uh, to make it go. And so it's it's kind of light and really it's kind of short. I wish it was a little bit longer. Um, and I was reading some articles about it and they suggested, somebody suggested instead of going to eight buildings, going to 10 buildings. Um, because some of the more expensive buildings, you either don't have the money to build them or once you've built them, the game's over and you can't actually produce any, any commodities off of it. Um, so there is a, um, an expansion that we have that is a campaign mode that you can play over, I believe it's six different games, which kind of expands. It gives you more buildings to build, and there's a little bit of a story element to it. Um, so that's uh, Oh My Goods that I played. And what else have I been going on? Oh, Teotihuacan City of Gods, which is a game that I first demoed at Dice Tower Con many years ago. Um, and um, I have a hard copy of this, but I've been playing it online on Board Game Arena. So it's uh, you have workers that you move around the board. And so like a number one die, a number one worker is has a power of one. And then if you put them on a space, they'll have to be promoted. Well, once you go from a five to a six, they've ascended and um, they kind of reincarnate at a one. Uh, so you're you're building a pyramid, you're uh, going around and collecting stone or cocoa, which you, is what you pay your workers with, um, and um, kind of advancing in the, these temple tracks there. So I've been playing, um, I'm in the middle of one game of that right now online. Um, I'm, I'm terrible at it, but I'm trying to get better at it. Uh, so that's uh, Teotihuacan City of Gods. Uh, I've also online on Board Game Arena been playing uh, Terra Mystica pretty regularly, um, which is kind of, I don't know, it's to me, it, it feels a little bit like Catan Plus. I, I don't know if that's a, if that's a, a an apt comparison, um, but you're expanding your, your holdings along the map, and so once you get to a particular size of connected uh, hexes, then you can build a city. Uh, and that will give you points. And it's played over the course of five rounds, and that's Terra Mystica. And there is a um, there's a sci-fi version of that game called uh, The Gaia Project, if people are familiar with that. Uh, and then I've been playing uh, in person, playing D&D. We're going through the Ghosts of Saltmarsh uh, campaign uh, with some new players. Um, I was recording them, but I don't know. The dungeon crawl did not, just wasn't very interesting in my opinion. Um, but once we got out of the out of the dungeon, the uh, the interaction in the in the town was pretty fun. So I, I wish that I had recorded that because that was that was quite a chuckle. Um, but I'm not going to tell a gaming story. Um, <laughs> And then finally, I picked up a copy of a game called Roll Through the Ages, the Iron Age. Now, there's a few different versions of this. There's Roll Through the Ages, the Bronze Age, which is a roll and peg. Well, there's a there's a writing element to it too. Um, so you roll the dice, and 
you collect the commodities and use the commodities to build the goods. And so, I mean, it's, you know, there's a lot of these games that are an economic engine that you're trying to kind of put together. So, I don't, you know, there's a lot of games like that. Um, and each one kind of scratches a little bit of a different itch. But uh, Roll Through the Ages kind of fits the, uh, the, the template of a cafe game. Um, because, I mean, you, you peg, you, each player has a little board where you peg your commodities, and the dice are wooden, um, and then you have a pencil and a little score sheet that you're kind of um, recording all the, the stuff that you're building. So that's uh, Roll Through the Ages, the Iron Age. All that's right. what I've been playing. Probably some other stuff, too, but. I know we we should record more so we could be more timely. It's the thing. I don't know. It's we're <laughs> we're in a transitional phase. It's not our fault. Uh so Mikeovich's Siege of Vicksburg went off pretty well. Uh, I think last year I had about thirteen people show up after I spent a hellacious amount of money. Uh this year I spent much less and had fifty two show up. So onward and upward were growing. Um, I had the YouTuber um stuka joke as a guest and uh yeah it look there's so many things i did like he messaged me and he was like uh so how do i get from the airport over to there i can't seem to find any buses running and i'm like oh shit i didn't even think about that about like oh yeah you've got this guy who flew in from puerto rico who needs to get there so yeah uh, but yeah, and uh, we, we, I mean, we, we, the drive is like 45 minutes, and so we're having conversations and stuff, and I show my American education in, you know, <laughs> in, in the sense of like, hey, let's talk, you know, let's talk about this, talk about that. It, so it's Puerto Rico, and, you know, Stukacho is a big war gamer of the Hex Encounter type, and we, we talk, we talk. And I'm like, so, because we, we were talking about Vicksburg being a Civil War site and whatever. I'm like, so does Puerto Rico have anything like that? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, San Juan. Y'all have got the Battle of San Juan Hill, right? He's, <laughs> he's, he's like, that was in Cuba. Cuba. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, yep, sorry. I That's our American education system. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway. But ah, that was fun. A lot of fun. I'm uh, going to go back, do it again next year, uh, have more people, and I'm just waiting for dates. And so I will continue to, you know, uh, advertise that going forward. So um, I, at the convention, I played Blood Red Skies again with the great guy, Guy, because guys did not come this time. Uh, from the uh, Lead Pursuit podcast, Douglas over there, and a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I'm going to actually try to play that this Saturday. Uh, since Warlord Games was there, there was Bolt Action. I ordered a bunch of Black Sea stuff, which is the Napoleonic Naval uh, game. And I uh, did a demo of War at Sea, which was awesome because I actually own a painted version of that starter and uh yeah so i even had a couple of people mention something about this podcast so but again like i've said since we've done this podcast 
if you encounter me in the real in meat space, I'm gonna be weird because I don't know what <laughs> I'm not used to people coming up and talking to me go like that. Yeah, that uh, that I don't know and that have been li- listened to the show or whatever. I, I don't get it, so I, I get a little weirded out. But sorry, anyway. And uh, that's uh, that's the nature of a parasocial relationship. Yeah, they know you, but you don't know them. Right. And see, I'm really introverted until I get to know you. Then I'm super extroverted. So, yeah, it's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, last but certainly not least, uh, Exalted Funeral, the fantastic kind of weird indie RPG selling website is doing a 20 percent off sale uh for uh halloween and i think i dropped uh, about 125 bucks today which i felt like was good because when i started adding things to my cart i quickly got over 200 and (laughs) i was like no 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 no. whoa there let's slow down slow down all right let's let's go back go back a little bit so i just received uh the the product a kickstarter back back in let's say january i'm not sure uh, was the herbalists primer oh uh, i remember that one project yes. yeah yep. that that shipped uh and it's it's beautiful it's as a as a physical object it's a fantastically well put together book um and then the content of it is uh extensive uh there's a hundred herbs 100 different plants and each two-page spread has an illustration of the plant and various uh, like here's the leaves here's the berries and uh, here's a scale with the little silhouette of a witch and then a scale of the of the plant so you can see how big the plant would be if you went out and found it there's little tabs that say oh this one's poisonous this one's medicinal um, and then the the facing page on the spread is just full of information um, and the front matter contains things about how to how to choose and grow plants and the back matter has additional useful information about how to use uh, the various plants just a fantastic product um, i highly recommend it yeah i really appreciate stuff like that that kind of puts things together you know for you to use in your game so. or your kitchen i mean this is this is a bunch of real world stuff that's uh just going to be useful in any room of the house. Oh, really? I thought it was like fake. No, no, it's all it's 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 pitched for use in your RPG stuff. But um, but it's got a much broader audience than that. It came my uh, my my backer level came with a poster uh, that you can stick up uh, in the kitchen or out in the potting shed. Um, The backside of it is a bunch of uh, RPG tables. Uh, so you can roll your d20 and make up a new herb, uh, for instance. Uh, so it's a, it's just a really great product. Oh, <laughs> the level I, I backed at, it came with a hundred card flashcard deck. So all of the two page spreads are also front and back of cards that you can carry around. That's cool. Interesting. All right. So, uh, what else you've been playing, Shannon? Oh, my usual, I'm a rpg designer nonsense um i uh i released a book uh, or a game a month ago for the minimalist jam called a fairly simple d6 dungeon game 
Um, I think I mentioned that last time I was on, uh, and that's rolling along. Somebody even downloaded it uh, just a couple hours ago as we're recording. Um, and I'm working on an adventure for something in the In Search of Adventure Jam that was put together by Chris Bazette of uh, Loot the Room, who uh, does some really, really great product. He's in England, uh, but we'll send you things here in the States. I've got a few things from him. He does great work. Uh, he's, he's been leading more Mork Borg in recent months, um, but this particular jam is inspired by B1, one of the original Dungeons and Dragons um, oh. adventures, okay. Search of Adventure. And he said so. There are, there are certain things that uh, old classic modules had, and here's a list of them. Write an adventure that's got these things in it. Have fun. And I just noticed that the submission period closes in a couple of days, so I need to get cracking. I've got a couple of more items to put on a table, and then I'll probably do a very, very basic format so I can get it in on time. And then my youngest child came home with a game called What the Golf for his Switch. And I know this is not a video games podcast, but roll oh, that's with quite me. all right. But it, could, but it could be. Yeah, but it could be, and it's going to be for the next minute while I talk about the one game that he and I played where you play a golfer, and like a traditional video game golfer game, you use the knobs and the buttons to point and uh, what direction the ball should go and how hard you should hit the ball and how far it's going to go. And then when you release everything, instead of the ball going, your golfer body flies across the screen towards the <laughs> towards the pin, and it was a lot of fun. Huh. All right. So, like, okay, do you just kind of roll? Do you fall into the, the hole? I've, I've got, um, when, I've you, got... when you reach the pin, it just sort of uh, chimed, and you went on to the next, uh, went on to the next hole. Uh, each hole is only, you know, what, 20 yards, because uh, how, how, how far can you go? But sometimes your body flies. Sometimes it just sort of grunts and rolls a little bit. <laughs> sometimes it falls off a cliff, and you've got to start over. Okay. So... The most ridiculous golf game ever, GameSpot. One of this year's funniest games, Vice. Oh, great. Yeah, I, I'm actually looking forward to that. I, I am not a video game guy. Um, not since Frogger left the arcades, probably. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but this one this one is fun, and. Uh, my uh, my youngest child is a is a very encouraging game player, and so uh, it's fun to play with him. Okay. I do see it's available on Steam for you uh, PC Master Race guys out there. So you know if you don't have <laughs> if you don't have a Switch, you know it's 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 uh, right there. So there you go. So uh, you know who could make you be an actual an actual 3d copy of you that you could tee off golfing that would be mike over at alter dementia and i have this link in the show notes we have our long-standing a discount code cog 2019 so you can say 20 percent off your 3d printing and uh yeah not to mention he could do hero forge you know uh, stuff off thingverse he's got licenses for some other stuff so yeah there he is Long time supporter of the show. We love him very much. If I remember correctly, uh, Richard, not Richard, uh, Roy met him like selling 3D printed stuff out of the trunk of his car, you know, and uh, yeah, 
That's he's it was at a at a bookstore called Between the Covers, where he was doing kind of a, a demo of 3D printing, which Shannon might know of Between the Covers. Yeah. In between him and me. What, was this an adult bookstore? I'm just. Yeah, it's like a used book place. Okay. A used adult bookstore. Gotcha. I don't know. It's a little sketchy. Anyway, so uh, I'll do what's on your radar. And uh, ran into this a while ago on Twitter, of all things. Uh, apparently, there is this large board game called War Room. But what drew my attention is, and you'll have this linked in the show notes. So it's a link to uh, Noble Knight Games selling the different components, whatever. What drew my attention are... For $26, they sell command staves. <laughs> so you can push around your counters and shit like that. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. And okay. It, and it, it literally says these really give the feel of being a general in a war room. They are only sold in pairs. Each staff is 26 inches long. So it's like I a mean, little rake. I, yeah. Oh, no. I would say a hoe. It's like a little hoe, Roy. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> what'd you call me? It's yeah, that's the shape, and you just kind of push around your counters. You're like, aha, I'm gonna invade Sweden or whatever. Yeah, that's uh, uh what the uh, a croupier, croupier, the, the, the attendant at a craps table. Yeah, has that's a little true. thing like that. Damn, I did not know that was the word. Um, no. uh, the croupier, okay, I'm just a yeah. fucking font yeah. of information. Uh, yeah. So, okay, okay, I just roughly look, I was about to skip away and then no, wait, wait a second, because this is really odd to me. Like, all right, say you're listening to this and you're like, fuck, yeah, command staves, hell yeah, how do I play this game? Ah, there's a lot, lot of components here. The map, the Jumbo World map alone will cost you $125. Does it say how big this thing is? Uh, though the jumbo map is only five inches more in diameter than the 42 inch core game mat, that is over a 30% increase in playable map area size. Uh, so it's 48 by 48, it's <laughs> four feet. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the, the rule book is out of stock. I mean, that's not that big to me. Uh, apparently, this is. Uh, let's see, War Room Second Edition. War doesn't need rules. Let's see. Uh, I didn't even see the rule book on here. I okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there's a second? It's by Nightingale Games. Apparently, it is a board game War publisher Room. based in. So oh, here, I was bit, looking for that. Um, Noble Knight Games. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious uh, how much okay. the rule book is. Well, uh, the bit I was trying to do was Nightingale Games was founded in the summer of 2016 because you would never trust a company founded in the fall of 2016. So they had to specifically mention. (laughs) I I don't know. So, uh, man, there's a lot of different stuff you can get for this. But not the rules. It is out of stock, but it doesn't say how much it is. I mean, I just figured this would be like a box set, like um, Axis and Allies or something. I don't know. 
It's uh, the rule book was is only thirty six pages. It was published in twenty twenty two. I don't know, but yeah, it has cool command staves. Hey, I kind of want them, <laughs> but I don't know exactly what I'd use do with them. Just to push around. I could use it for. I mean, anything really. Like you 40K could have, or whatever, you just push around your guys. Or dinner. <laughs> yeah. Take it to the buffet and just be like, ah, no, that's I need fine. more fries. Oh, you can get the PDF of the uh of the rule book. Like on their website. How much? For free. Okay. Well that's so I I don't know. Ah, shit. Last updated September 29, 2021. All right. That's that. Nightingale Games. Check them out. Okay. Uh, The next thing we had was I had no idea that um, Firelock Games had done a two-player starter set for Blood and and Plunder, Blackbeard versus Maynard, and that's uh, the guy from Tool. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh yeah i'm trying to see what else comes in it i don't think you get a copy of the new tool album but it uh two small sloops and uh some crew look i always thought this was cool i just hate it. it's the age of piracy i i look i don't care about pirates that's just me and I kind of wish this was like during the Napoleonic era. I would I, I would care more, but I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Hang on a second. I just got a notification that my battery is running low. And I know I plugged this damn thing in. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Hold on. It did, get plugged. it did not get plugged into the wall. Hold on. Yeah, yeah, plug in both ends. Everything needed to play, including rules, cards, terrain, and tokens. It's like, it's like I tell my students all the time. It's like, the shit works when you plug it in, kids. <laughs> so that's important. It's like, why is it just working? Did you plug it in? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. No, I didn't. Uh, sorry. All right. It's it's the number one, what, uh, uh, the IT crowd? Oh, well, IT. yeah. Have you tried turning it off and turning it back on again? Right after that is, have you checked to see if it's plugged in? Yep. So, all right. uh, uh, Yeah, there is a Kickstarter for a 3D printed version of the Traveler Free Trader Beowulf. I mean, dang. That is a big ass ship. Yeah, yeah, I'm assuming it gets 28 millimeter scale. I will also say this poor little ship has been in trouble for like damn near 40 years now. I'm pretty sure Traveler is <laughs> older than I am. And I'm 46. So, uh, yeah. Let's see. You can get the 2D deck plans for 20 euros. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing uh, we have not mentioned that I will tell you now is, okay, Oh, you know, if you're over here in America, you've heard of Brexit or whatever the fuck. You know, I know. I don't get it. You don't get it. You don't know who Boris Karloff or whatever that guy's name is. No, we don't know. But the most important thing is from a miniature gamer, also a role player, and maybe a little bit of board gaming, but I kind of think like um, America has that on lock. 
is the pound is in free fall. Uh, absolute utter free fall. I think currently it's maybe five cents more than a dollar versus where it has been over double a dollar. So now mm -hmm. is your time to purchase things from the UK. And for a lesser extent from uh, just Europe, because it, it you're damn near dollar to dollar. Like looking at this now for 20 euros, 20 euros is $21. That gets you the 2D deck plan. So, but for 75 euros, I get the STL files. Eh, I think that's a little high for, in my opinion, that's a little high for, you know, basically what is a virtual commodity. And for 100 euros, oh. look, for 100 euros, I expect you to print that damn thing out and send it to me. Yeah, it's just the 3D files. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, granted, this thing looks phenomenal. It is fantastic printing it out. But my dumbass is not going to be able to get my 3D printer working right to make this beautiful thing. I'm going to fuck it up and, mm -hmm. you know, all this stuff. So, wait, Roy, Shannon. Yeah. You know who? You know who could print this, though? I was just wondering. Mike. Oh. I bet Mike at Alter Dementia. So, if you bought this for, say, 100 euros, and you were like, hey, Mike, can you print this out for me? And now it could cost you a couple hundred bucks. This looks like a lot yeah. of resin or whatever. And But you get that COG 2019, baby. Knock that 20% off right there. That it could happen. Very, very Christmas. Maybe mm. next year. But dang, it is gorgeous. But uh, it is kind of it's it's small in the sense of for 28 millimeter gaming, but it's not small for hey, it's got to fit in my house. So uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's uh, I, I'm kind of torn back and forth with it. Like I kind of want to back it, but then I'm like, eh. I, you, I mean, I can't really have a good, I don't know, uh, skirmish game on this small thing. I don't know, but whatever. Anyway. Well, wait, so, you, you, just, you just bought two of those um, moving things around sticks. You could mount it on the sticks and set it up on the table and just go whoosh. True. Yeah. Let's go whoosh. Yeah. So this being Traveler, is this a ship that figures in the Traveler lore? Oh yeah, okay, Roy. Uh, it's if you, it's usually on the cover of the box set, or the rule book, or uh, the first page of whatever. Okay. It, it's uh, you see a thing that says like Mayday, Mayday, Free Trader Beowulf. Uh, you know, blah blah blah. We, we're losing comms. Da 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 da. Need help. And that's just where it is. It's been on the cover of so okay. many of the things for it so and is this ship capable of planet fall it looks like it's aerodynamic enough that it's made to enter atmosphere uh man i really want to put my foot in my mouth and say yes but okay i, I just don't know. yeah I, I was i was looking at the at the practical real world viability of such a thing and i mean it's got you know the rcs jets on the nose there to 
to move it around in orbit and stuff like that. So, and it's kind of somewhat aerodynamic. So it looks like it's meant to land. If you happen to throw it off your roof, will it fly? <laughs> I don't know. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not, I didn't, I'm not harboring any, uh, any delusions of grandeur there, but. I mean, uh, I was just wondering. Honestly, that's like one of the things I loved about like whenever they designed the Borg from Star Trek The Next Generation, they were like, well, these are it's they are function over form. So their ships are fucking cubes. You know, right. they're not they're not gonna fly in atmosphere, so this is it. What the fuck? You know. Mm-hmm. Why would you make it all sleek and sexy and whatnot? But yeah. Anyway. So uh moving on. Uh, Werewolf, the Apocalypse, Tribes, and Renown is coming. And, God, um, look, I don't know what to think. I don't understand what's going on with World of Darkness. Be, as, as a guy who was really, really into all of their RPGs back in the 90s, and I just bought yep. them to read. Because they had such fantastic lore. Um, I can't tell you how many novels and artists and all the stuff uh, I discovered from that. My uh, very favorite band of all time, the Pogues, I discovered from uh, Werewolf. And Really? Yes, that's how I did it. it they posted, I, I'll never forget, it was the Fianna Sourcebook. And it there was a quote from uh, Young Ned of the Hill, and it said, "A curse upon you, Oliver Cromwell." Right. And uh, went on there, and I was like, "What is this?" And then I, you know, I I sought it out, you know, back when we could spend two hours downloading an MP3, and uh, I was like, "Fuck yeah, man! I love I love this sound. I love this band." And I bought CDs, and it just kind of went from there. So. Um, I was such a huge fan from there, but uh, as I, you know, got older, got married, had kids and all this stuff, I got out of it. And to come back to it, I do not get, like, how many different editions they've gone through and and whatnot. And uh, I ran into some guys um, at North Texas RPG Con this past summer that talked about – they had a podcast, a really big podcast for it. And um, they're like, yeah, uh, the big problem with them is they love the lore and writing all this stuff and all that. But they don't actually care about the mechanics of the game, which is why their games are kind of broken. And it shit doesn't make sense with what you have to <laughs> roll and whatnot. And I'm like, oh, OK. <laughs> So, oh, yeah. All right, yeah. Uh, Shannon, if you're into role-playing, you should definitely go to North Texas RPG Con. I've already bought my ticket for next year. Uh, it's it's Look, it was one of those. I went with my friend Chris, and it was one of those that was like, you should have sent a poet. Because I am literally just walking around. I'm playing games with fucking gods of this industry. And I didn't know until, like, I got out of it. <laughs> and uh, my friend's like, Holy fuck, that was Zeb Cook was that that was the DM for your thing. You know, he fucking helped create Dungeons and Dragons. I'm like, what? Who? Oh shit. <laughs> you know, and it's because it's it's like, yeah. It's I cannot tell you not all it's not just people that were there as guests. 
but just people that just showed up that were just huge in this industry, you know, and the best I came out of there was, was like, I got an argument with a guy about Kickstarter in a Battletech game. And I'm like, that is the most Adam thing I've ever heard. <laughs> so anyway, so uh, anyway, uh, the next thing we had was I'm fascinated by collectible card games that are trying to make it in this uh, not crowded market. It's basically uh, magic number one, and in a very, very distant second, everything else, which is basically Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, Digimon, and uh, what is that fucking waifu game? Wise Schwartz. So, you know, all that. Uh, here is a uh, World Auto Racing, which I discovered, and it's in its first edition I have no idea how this plays. I I don't get what, you know, why it's collectible and what you get and stuff. But, yeah, maybe it's basically like Fast and the Furious, the CCG, which means it's all about family. I don't know. But <laughs> that's why I saw what's on your radar. I was just going to toss this up here. Yeah, this looks interesting. I mean, it, that's the kind of thing that I'll be like, wait, if I saw some people playing it, I would stop and go, okay, you're playing this card game based on racing. So, okay, I want to watch this and say, but whatever. Anyway. So uh, the next thing we had was the 1984 RPG Paranoia is getting a perfect edition. Are you guys familiar with this one at all? Oh, yeah. Paranoia was my Paranoia. game. Uh back in the first and second edition days of that i ran in fact i ran an adventure at a convention back in the 1980 1990 something um, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. those are two di very different decades oh no no no, no 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 it was all just kind of one year kind of smushed together between 88 and 91 that's all just one long year I so what is the somewhere edition mean um that's a great question. Um, there, I have the current edition unwrapped and a, and a supplemental box set called Acute Paranoia, still in its wrapper. Um, Do you have the the hardbound copy that's in red? Yeah, yeah. Well, not hard, not hardcover. It's a it's a okay. box set with uh, some soft cover. Oh, okay. And I read it, and um, I was. Um, a little put off by the mechanical feature that requires player versus player during character generation. Um, and it took that, uh, are there perversity points in there that you can spend to affect other players' roles? Wait, I don't remember wait, that. Wait. Hold on, hold on. Perversity points? Yes. So you have a pool of perversity points, and you can... You know, the, so the game master will say, "Does anybody want to spend perversity on his role?" Okay, I'm putting. As in, eight, I, I want putting, him to succeed. What's that? I I put eight points into foot fetish. <laughs> yeah. Is it like that? No. Okay. <laughs> like I I want him to fail, or somebody else. I want him to succeed, and it's kind of a, it's a bidding war. So once everybody's spent all they want to do, the person rolls, and they either succeed or fail based on. You know what they roll. So yeah. is that Shannon? Does that copy that you have have that mechanic in it? 
Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't remember that particular aspect, but there certainly was in um, character creation uh, a okay. requirement for uh, screw your neighbor kinds of things. Uh, okay. Core mechanic, combat skills, negative nodes, um, computers, your friend, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Moxie. Okay. Mm, Moxie. So I uh, had played that game years ago where the player versus player arose organically. And that was okay. fun. Um, and this edition that seems to require it was less fun. I got to the GM book and things calmed down a lot. So that was good. Um, but I haven't had a chance to run it. Now I see there's a new edition coming out and I'm hoping that they uh, back off a little bit hmm. on the player versus player um, stuff. Okay, so the gist of this um, game is, I know it's like a dystopian future, like 1984, and uh, I think the, the tagline for Paranoia is, trust the computer, or, or something like the that. The computer's your friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, what's the setting? What do you what do you do in this game? Uh, so, your the setting is a place called Alpha Complex, which is essentially a domed city that's as large as it needs to be. And it's run by the computer as an artificial intelligence. And in the in the original setting, um, there were uh, a variety of these domed cities, and they all had their own central computer more or less managing things. And then a war broke out, and everybody uh, decided, oh, no, we don't know what's going on. And all the computers inside each of these towns decided they couldn't trust any of the others and so it's a constant state of war uh everybody is stuck inside of a closed economy and a closed ecology and there is a very bureaucratic approach to things so you pick up a little bit of brazil you pick up a little bit of 1984 you pick up a little bit of logan's run and the computer is sending the player characters who are called troubleshooters out to find the problem uh, and shoot the trouble. And each character is given a couple of conflicting or a couple of characteristics that it needs to keep secret from the computer and from the other players because the computer is very concerned about treason. And so, so there are mutations are. Yeah, yep. not allowed. Mutants and are secret not allowed. societies are not allowed. And secret societies are not allowed, correct. And every character has one of each, at least. Uh, plus, every character also has a job, and they're associated with a certain department. So there's research and development, and there's um, procurement department, and uh, there's a security forces department. And so each of those three characteristics gives each character additional motivations to uh, to enhance role play and in its earliest editions paranoia was a pretty straight ahead role-playing game and the characters had these uh, motivations to both achieve the computer's goals and to work against them and to work against 
the other players to ferret out treason and and gain experience and and advance as characters in this relatively straightforward role-playing game. Um, But also, you've got Brazil and you've got how funny bureaucracies are. And you've got the fact that nobody's particularly good. So instead of Q department where James Bond gets fantastic gear, you've got R&D where everybody gets gear that's um, bundled together by hope and ideas and maybe works and maybe doesn't. But everything is perfect under the computer. And so you've got the operator's manual for that equipment is above your clearance. So you get you get the cool gun, but you don't get like how to reload it or what its full functions are. So in theory, Paranoia is a fantastically well-suited game for campaign play. But in practice, it's really more of a one-shot game. Um, It's a palate cleanser between campaigns for tables uh, because all the cross-purposes that all the characters are running through basically means that everybody ends up dead six times uh, because in Alpha Complex, everybody is a clone and each clone family has six members Um, so if you die early in an adventure your character is replaced by an identical character with a higher serial number okay (laughs) i uh did want to mention like uh while we were talking about this this game like i remember like back in the early 2000s or whatever um old heads in my gaming group talking about this you know so i was familiar with it that way but uh, a couple years ago it popped up on um a pc game for whatever reason it was called paranoia uh happiness is mandatory and um i've got have this link in the show notes uh because it just suddenly disappeared it was it was an epic game store exclusive and then it it was coming out for console and this that and the other and it straight up just disappeared and i don't know if it was a rights issue or whatever but apparently there's a court case and whatever i have this link in the show notes so fascinating yeah sounds very lasers. Uh, so the next thing I had was Star Force Commander, and I heard about this at Siege of Vicksburg. Um, Douglas from um, Lead Pursuit Podcast uh, talked to me about it. A friend of his decided, you know what? Everybody knows Starfleet Battles is the um, advanced squad leader of you know Star Trek combat games. But, and, you know, Federation Commander isn't that much easier to play. So, you know what? I'm just going to make my own version of it. And he did. And it's called Star Force Commander. And so I was really excited about this because, I mean, look, everybody wants to take Constitution-class ships and fight, you know, uh, Klingons and whatnot and whatever. And, of course... You know, uh, this is Star Force Commander, and uh, all for copyright purposes. If you look at it, it's not Star Trek. It's not Klingons and whatnot. And, uh, yeah. I actually, this just came in today. 
because I bought it off War Game Fault. And uh, look, okay, this is just me. I get annoyed when I go on to drive through RPG or War Game Vault or whatever, and there is not a print-on-demand option. Like, it's just a PDF. And I'm like, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do with just a PDF? So I go to, like, Lulu and a couple of other places to try to get it printed. Okay, I legally purchased this copy. I want to I want to make sure we all understand that. I legally purchased this. And it was a PDF. And we'll now want a physical copy. I could drag my ass to Staples or Office Depot or whatever, but surely there's an online version. And it took me forever to find one that didn't give a fuck about the uh, DRM that you get from DriveThruRPG or WarGameBald or whatever. And they will straight up just print it and mail it to you. So, mm-hmm. you know, there you go. I I don't get why companies do this. And, okay, my only complaint with Star Force Commander is it it's a card-based system. Well, fine. Put your shit on drive-through cards. So I could, uh, you know, actually be able to print it out. Or, you know, from the Game Crafter. Or, you know, whatever. So, you know, get your shit together. If you're going to lock me into just, it's a PDF only, I'm not the dude that wants to, like, print this shit out, cut it out, and then paste, you know, what am I going to get some glue (laughs) and just paste it onto some shit? No, come on, man. But be a bit more professional. Come on. Just whatever. Anyway. Because the options are there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's all the cool kids are doing this, for the love of God. So, uh, yeah. Anyway. So, moving on to the Lost Dungeons of uh, Tonisburg. Tonisburg, yeah. And, uh, okay. Yeah. I, I also, this came across my radar, you know, and I was like, wow, okay, it, it, this is kind of adjacent to Blackmore and, you know, right. early D&D stuff. But in my ever so humble opinion, holy shit, this is an expensive Kickstarter. Because <laughs> the soft cover book is 60 damn dollars. So I right. mean, that, that doesn't include shipping, you know, all this other stuff. So, I mean, what do you think about it, Shannon? Um, I, I see that and I look at it and I, I desire it. And it's it's a it's a mega dungeon, so it's a it's a huge. I know it's see, a huge bunch of gameplay material, and there's additional stuff alongside it. I I did purchase this guy's DVD, Secrets of Blackmore: The True History of Dungeons and Dragons, um, and that's a it's a good documentary. I I'm okay, glad okay. that I I'm glad that I have it. Let's talk about that for a minute. It's like for every uh, option on this Kickstarter, yeah, you get like a rental of it. Okay. And I and I'm like, okay, come on, buddy, that's that's bullshit. If I'm dropping a <laughs> hundred goddamn dollars on this hardcover book, I should get a free fucking copy of that. Uh, you know, of that. It, it it's a virtual thing. You know, whatever. That annoyed me a little bit. So sorry. No, no, I can understand. Um, so 
I, but as a, as a practical matter, I'm never going to run an OD&D mega dungeon. <laughs> I just, I, I don't, I don't need to buy this to uh, put on my shelf and gaze at from time to time. Um, but Shannon, that, that doesn't stop me. I, <laughs> I look, I am so fascinated by mega dungeons, just period. I may be the only guy in the United States of America. I promise you, I am the only guy in the state of Mississippi that owns a complete hardback version of uh, the series of the Halls of Aiden Vull, which is like the <laughs> the most mega of all mega dungeons. I just yeah. read about that a little yeah, while yeah. ago. I, I have it on PDF, and I have literally like all six volumes in hardback. You know, because I'm like, well, maybe one day, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, uh, I've i worked in bookstores for 25 years and I'm reasonably good at not buying things I don't think I'm going to get to. All right. So, uh, OK. So, but, it, but it's a great looking thing. All right. This is it's only 156 pages. Number one. It's. So, uh, okay, so that's, I mean, for 100 bucks, I kind of want like 300 pages minimal. Right, right. As a, as a practical matter, yeah, um, I don't think we're really the market um, for this product. This is, a, this is a sentimental purchase for a certain segment of the role-playing marketplace, the grognards and the wannabe grognards, the people who are planning ahead for their grognardom. Uh, these are the people who are looking at this. These are the people who go, oh, Dave Ernison uh, was was fantastic, and that table was the most important thing. And this, this, um, this document really, really gets you into the heart of what the game really is supposed to be about, rather than well, this is what one aspect of the game was about shortly after it was written, and a lot of things have happened since then. Um, and yeah, it's so for me, it's interesting. I would like to see it. Um, I would, I would back it at thirty dollars, maybe forty. Uh, uh, well, I will say that uh, looking at this as of this podcast, you know, on October twenty seventh. They wanted a measly five grand. They are up to forty six thousand dollars, you know. And this is their second run at this. Um, not the the first one succeeded, um, and now they're they're doing a, a slightly lower cost run at this. And uh, that's uh, I guess they were pretty savvy about it if they're way beyond their target. Yeah, I reckon so. All right. Uh, God. Uh, see, I, I start looking at this and going, all right, well, if it's $100, what will the shipping be? What's it going to cost from Exalted Funeral? Mm, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> it, it, it's that uh, it's FOMO, fear of missing out, you know? So. Yeah. 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 Well, they're just over there in Denver. You can just swing by, right? Yeah, totally. All right. Uh, so the next thing we had is Mutant Year Zero is getting a skirmish miniatures game from, um, <laughs> I love how it says uh, Necromunda's lead designer. 
uh, that is the title of that. So Dan, and then I think I'm like, oh wait, is that uh, which GW guys that is? Of course, my mind immediately goes to Andy Chambers, but it could be Jervis Johnson. Uh, does it say? Uh, it should say it's gonna come to Kickstarter on November first. Andy Chambers, yes, it is. Look, I swear to God. Andy Chambers, like, literally makes, like, five rule systems a day <laughs> just for whatever. It, it just seems that way. If you look him up, like, for the stuff that he did, look, in the stuff I was talking about earlier, like Blood Red Skies, uh, he did uh, Bolt Action. I'm not sure, but I think he did Black Seas. Yeah, he does a lot of stuff for Warlord now. So just, yeah, anyway. I like the idea of Mutant Year Zero because it has weird duck people in it, and I'm a sucker for that. <laughs> I should really play Gloriana, the RPG, because it has a whole thing, but anyway. So, yeah, if this is a reasonable Kickstarter, I will pick it up, but we will see. But anyway. So, uh, moving on. To there is a Monty Python not RPG, but yes, RPG. Yeah, I guess so. I, I, that that uh, crossed my desk, I don't know, early this week, I guess. And I thought, well, I'm not going to back this for the same reason. Um, I'm just never going to get around to playing it, but it's 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 closer. I'm closer to the market for this book than I was for the other one. I gotta say, man, that doesn't that doesn't stop me. Will I ever play this? <laughs> yeah, maybe. You know, who knows? There could be a pill tomorrow that's like immortality for all human beings. Here you go. <laughs> and so uh, that's kind of how I do my purchases. So that's pretty good. So that's that's a, it's just out there, and it's interesting that it's out there. And I guess they have. Uh, seven times exceeded their goal well i mean i kind of figured that being what it was right and you know uh at 200 grand is what they wanted and we're looking at like 21 days to go you know i figure at 20 at, at uh, i'm sorry at 200 grand you know, I figured at least a hundred of that was the license for Monty Python. But, yeah. you know, <laughs> at, as, as we look at this, um, with 21 days left to go, they've got 11,500 backers, $1.5 million, and um, yeah, apparently... <laughs> They're doing really, really fucking well, and uh, so yeah. And of course, this will all. This is coming from Exalted Funeral, so you know. Right. I've been uh, been throwing this in the face of all my high school friends. So yeah. Uh anyway. So uh, there's a new Fallout Miniatures game uh, announced. Nuka World is coming, which is a skirmish version. Which is really weird because I thought Wasteland Warfare was the skirmish version of Fallout. So I don't know. I don't get it. And uh, yeah. Fallout 4. Okay. All right. Have you guys played the series? Yes, no. I have. 
It's, uh, it's set in a in a hyper patriotic alternate history. Well, yeah, it's it's a totally like a uh, kind of dystopian level, you know, whatever. And yeah, uh, look, I was very familiar with Fallout, um, just the game itself, but never played it. Um, I think the first one I actually got to play was three and three is just phenomenal. If you like uh, Skyrim and that kind of thing, that's what it is. It's 3d sort of, I love the bats, you know, combat system, all that stuff. It's great. And uh, new Vegas which was kind of weird because it's this alternate story and the game is published by a different company, but it all fits together and it works. And uh, yeah, I had a guy doing um, demos for the miniature game at uh, Siege of Vicksburg and people seemed to like it. He brought a bunch of nice terrain and uh, yeah, looks pretty cool. But uh, I have never played the actual RPG. But I, I, I played three. I played New Vegas. I have not played seventy six. So yeah. But I highly, highly recommend three. And to a slightly lesser extent, I recommend uh, New Vegas. It has a really great story. So yeah, you can get that stuff really, really cheap. In fact, uh, it's so old now that I think they're coming out with, like, remastered versions for, like, the PS5 and whatnot. So, yeah, highly recommend it. And all the uh, DLCs and stuff. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. I think, uh, and, of course, it kind of got caught up in a weird thing with, uh, it was Bethesda, which was purchased by Activision, which I think think got purchased by microsoft so it became an xbox exclusive i don't know it's really weird but whatever recommend it so anyway uh the next thing we had was hero quest is coming out and if you thought uh kickstarters made adam mad wait till you find <laughs> out that uh uh sorry it, sorry, no, no, no. Sorry, I jumped the gun on what this is. This is HeroQuest. It's a great article on when tabletop gaming went mainstream. This was my first introduction to Games Workshop, and this was probably 1990, for me, 93, 94. I found this, I don't know if it was in Walmart or if I found it um, in the neighboring city in a hobby shop. But yeah, I can't believe they kickstarted this game, and I can't believe people paid for it because I found it for 25% off MSRP at a local GameStop. I own it and haven't opened it yet, but uh, yeah, sorry. I got excited uh, with HeroQuest, and it reminded me of what is the thing that Hasbro's doing now? Um, the Hex uh, miniature game, damn it. Hero, Hero Escape. Escape, yes. Yes. Because when a billion-dollar company needs you to prepay for something, kids, <laughs> we'll get to that in just a second. So, uh, all right. 
So uh, the next one we have Labyrinth Lord, which is a favorite uh, OSR rule set for me, is getting another edition. We were kind of concerned that it was kind of going out of business, but nope, it's it's coming back. So uh, yay, I kind of want to, I own several mega dungeons that I want to run people through <laughs> with that. So anyway. Uh the next thing was uh, access and allies and just diplomacy, which uh, is owned by Hasbro because they own Avalon Hill. Oh, uh, this, this yeah, company called yeah, this company called Renegade Studios want to negotiate the license for those, and uh, it's it, it. I love how it mentions in the partnership it. Allows them to publish certain Avalon Hill games, and it it includes, of course, access and allies and diplomacy. But it also says Squad Leader and Robo Rally, and uh, <laughs> which, of course, uh, I had no idea. But act, act, people are very serious into playing access and allies. There's like a World Championship and all this different stuff. And but if you did not know. Richard Garfield, the creator of Magic the Gathering, created this game called Robo Rally. And he created Magic the Gathering to get enough money to publish Robo Rally for a, as a board game. Wow. So so that's like the, <laughs> that's like the thing. So anyway. So I would I would love a reprint of Squad Leader to see how that goes. And uh yeah. Uh Diplomacy. I heard best described because I recently acquired a older copy of it. Oh. I heard a commenter says something to the effect of you can play this with three three to four other other players, but you, you will not be friends at the end of it. So <laughs> it, I, it, yeah, it's pretty hardcore. Um, I've got my boxed set that I bought back in the early eighties and Never played it because holy cow. Hmm. Uh, I was and, almost going to play a game of it, but I, for whatever reason, it all kind of fell through. But I hear it's the game, yeah, that destroys friendships. <laughs> and uh, the next thing we had was what I alluded to earlier uh, a billion dollar company needs you to prepay for this game that you have nostalgic memories of. HeroScape is coming back, kids, and it's coming through Hasbro Pulse. If you didn't know what Hasbro Pulse is, this is where they let suckers prepay for cool stuff <laughs> that they could easily uh, print themselves and put out in Walmart for 30 bucks. So uh, there you go. And All right. Well, uh, okay, thank you so much. My faith in humanity is restored because looking at this, as of October 27, fucking Hasbro, billion-dollar company, again, wants you to prepay $250 goddamn dollars for this thing. And as of this podcast, with 19 days left to go, there are only 2,947 suckers that prepaid for this. Their target was eight grand. It probably ain't gonna happen. It fucking shouldn't. 
Wait a minute. Is it going to come with that really cool katana? I see that on there. Is that like a real well, katana? It's katana for scale. Yeah. Boo. Okay. <laughs> if it came with a cool katana, I'd do that. So, yeah. I mean, this well, is so. This I would is, argue that this is kind of like a P500 kind of thing, isn't it? Well, okay. Yes well, and yes, yes and no. Yes, uh, in that it they want you to prepay, but no, it's more like Kickstarter because okay. this this will not sit up here. This is basically their version of Kickstarter that they don't have oh. to cut 10, 20 percent, whatever it is off. This is completely in-house. It is an in-house P500, but it goes away in like 20 days. Like this just okay. won't happen if they don't so get P500 there. So P500 will stick around until, oh, it, until so, it gets 500 orders. Oh, yeah, until fucking doomsday. Okay. It'll just sit there okay. forever. And because, uh, wow. golly, I think I p 500 something like six years ago that is still nowhere near doing it but i'm i'm still sitting there you know that's the thing okay but yeah i mean this is so dumb they should have absolutely put the shit out they should have put it printed it they should have put it in walmart and in fucking walmart it should have been 100 bucks max this is so dumb for them to do this <laughs> and yeah and it just makes me so irrationally mad so okay that's another thing. And moving into my new house and stuff, I'm working on building a YouTube studio. This is where I should get on and just start rant and rave about stuff. But whatever. <laughs> so I, what is P500? It's uh, GMT Games uh, does P500. And it's like, hey, we're going to reprint and or print this particular game. It's either a new game or a reprint or another one that was out of print. And they wait until they have 500 people that have committed to buy it. And you commit to buy it by entering your credit card number into it. So when it hits 500, your credit card number will be charged and then they will mail it to you. So it's they wait until they have 500 guaranteed pre-orders before oh. printing a game. That's what the piece because I guess the market for such games is so low that they can't really print, you know, a dozen copies it, and make it pay. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, as much as we talk about it, yeah. I mean, the reality is for niche hex encounters, very niche and whatnot, and so it's yeah, it's they got to have enough to be able to do it. But okay, right. I believe right. them. GMT is a big, a big company, and I believe them. It's like fuck you, Hasbro. You own goddamn My Little Pony, Transformers, yep. GI Joe, and all this shit. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I don't have any money. Please pre-order this. Oh my god, mm. fucking stupid. Uh, so anyway. Why won't they ship it to Quebec? Uh, French. Yeah, they French they people. they hate the French. I don't know. <laughs> they hate French Canadians. I don't, I don't know. All so, right. I'm just gonna say that. Anyway. So, uh, speaking of Transformers, here they come uh, to Magic the Gathering with the Brothers War, and I'll act, I'll end up getting this uh, these Commander decks uh, for Optimus Prime, Megatron, Soundwave, and okay, it's all three of them. I did not purchase 
all four 40k ones i just bought two of them but i'll probably get all three of the uh transformer ones for nostalgia more than anything else but yeah so just thought that was cool but again you know hasbro owns wizards of the coast so it's really easy for wizards of the coast to print hasbro <laughs> things so anyway <laughs> so Speaking of <laughs> bullshit Kickstarters, uh, Battletech is back. And, you know, once again, I could get in another argument at a convention uh, about uh, Catalyst Game Labs does not need to fucking kickstart fuck all, but they do anyway because suckers will line up to prepay for it. Mercenaries is coming, uh, scheduled for late March of next year. Uh, they're going to do vehicles and uh, some mechs. Uh, BTOLs, an aerospace fighter, and all this stuff that will be available. Okay, listen to me, kids. All this fucking shit in this Kickstarter that they want suckers to line up and prepay for will be available at Miniature Market for 20% less than it was on Kickstarter before you ever get the goddamn thing you kickstarted for. They keep doing this. You keep paying for it. Stop it. You, you, this uh, Catalyst is owned by Tops, which is owned by a billion-dollar company. So, you know, <sighs> there you go. But whatever. <laughs> and I, I love Battletech, too. I do. But the last clan invasion thing, I got my copies from Miniature Market at a discount for less than people paid for it at Kickstarter before the people that Kickstarted it got it. So... Why you would want to go back to that well, I don't know. Maybe this time, you know, Lucy won't pull the football away from me. <laughs> oh, so just keep telling yourself that. So, anyway, last thing we had was um, the Star Wars RPG, which I'm honestly surprised is not at another company, uh, is coming out with a Collapse of the Republic era source book, which... That sounds really cool. It sounds like that's kind of what you would want to play. Sounds like really cool. And yeah. uh, whatever. But, you know, also, it's like, how do you play these Star Wars RPGs without everybody going, I want to be a Jedi? It's like, well, we all five of us can't be a Jedi. Yeah, we can. Well, somebody's got to be the Han Solo, right? No, I don't want to be. I, I think yeah. the one time I played Star Wars, I was a Zabrak pilot. So I'm I'm not at all interested in being a Jedi. Is that a species or a ship? The Zabrak? That's yeah. uh, the that's the race that uh, Darth Maul was with the little horns. Oh, okay. Are those oh. tattoos or are those is that is that they're those are tattoos so skin tone yeah okay. yeah okay all right so that that reminds me of uh glup shitto so we're gonna put that on here at the end so the best fakest star wars joke beam ever what because uh, oh, no. glup shitto it's uh, it's basically a fake character because they come up with these weird names for them every time they're announced. <laughs> and so people are like, oh, yeah, it's Glup Shitto's back. So, yeah, anyway. 
That's what it always reminds me of. <laughs> I, I, which reminds me, I really want to play Legion again. So if we can, I don't know. I, I'm going to talk to my friend Saturday about let's avoid gaming cancer who killed Star Wars Legion in my area and see what we can do. about. Me getting, too. I want to get, play it too. Getting this back, you know. Fuck that guy and his hat. And that weird ear, <laughs> ear, ear piece he wears. So you know who you are, Tony. Yeah, fuck that guy. So uh, yeah. So anyway, I guess that brings us to the end of this um, episode. We've got Shannon with us now, and going forward, wouldn't it suck, Roy, if he was like, "Ah, I'm fucking done," and then we it's just you and me. Or something. I was like, "Wow, well, all all this thing for nothing for uh, next go round." And yeah, so no, no, I'll uh, I'll get. Uh, one of these shows and uh, watch it. Probably one of these Hulu shows and have something useful to say next time. All right, Shannon, oh. if, if they wanted to discover you on uh, Twitter, how, how can they find you? I can be found at Shannon McMaster on Twitter. Pretty straightforward. He is a, a fairly prolific Twitterer, much more than me. I am fairly prolific, so watch it. <laughs> You can uh, find me at Roy Toy Cowboy on tw- on Twitter, um, and so we're coming up close to uh, election day, so I would encourage you to go vote, and I would encourage you to go vote for the correct people. I'm not going to say who those people are because you know your version of that might be different from me, but please exercise your uh, right to vote, and be a participating citizen. Don't forget to actually register to vote before you try to vote. Otherwise, that would be awkward. Especially if you live in Florida, because you will get arrested. Hmm. All right. So uh, I guess that should be about it. So good night, people. Good night. Bye-bye.